Hello and welcome, sports fans. You know what time it is. It's time for Jonesing for Sports. It's also time for the pre-spawn. You bass fans, get out there. It's time to slay some fish. We're in a little bit of a, a sports lull a little bit for Michigan sporting fans, so what better time than to get out there out in the water? But I know some of you crazies want to talk sports still, so we still have that content for you as well. We recently went to the Michigan Spring Game, and we have all our thoughts on that that we're going to share with you. Also, Hunter Dickinson entering the transfer portal, creating quite a wake for Michigan basketball fans. So we have great thoughts to share on that as well. So if that sounds like your thing, stick around, because we are going to talk about that right now. Welcome to the Jonesing for Sports podcast. Code, you say it's kind of a lull in the uh, sports time, but... That's just because we have crap teams to cheer for right now. Uh, It's playoff hockey time almost. It's playoff NBA time almost. You know, that's true. (laughs) Actually, Michigan in the Frozen Four, uh, major disrespect that I just threw their way because, man, what an exciting end of the season that they've been putting together. Um, So, yeah, my apologies, Michigan hockey. It's not to say that there aren't sports going on, but, yes, the Detroit Pistons are an absolute train wreck right now. Bring on Quinnipiac. Yep. Um. (laughs) Does anyone know where that school is located? No clue. No. Also, is that how you pronounce it? I'm glad you clarified because I thought you were just making up words over there. (laughs) That's how I say it. Quinnipiac. I always put the emphasis on the piac. Quinnipiac. But... I, that's just how I read it. You got another third option for us, Code? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that might be our poll question of the day. Where is Quinnipiac located? I like your uh, pronunciation and how do you it. <laughs> Yours sounds a little more natural. Um, mine We're sounds a little more broken English. You put the emphasis on the nip, which <laughs> I appreciate, so... Uh, Cody, you also failed to mention, like, we're in a lull in sports. The Masters is this weekend. Mm. So we can redo that intro if you'd like. Co- but. Cody just forgot about that because he hasn't filled out our family Masters bracket yet. I guess I am speaking from just my own personal experience. I feel like there's a lull because, yeah, Pistons suck. Tigers are just so hard to watch. We just started baseball season, so I guess we'll talk about that a little bit too. But for me, golf is that's the perfect thing to fall asleep to. That's my NASCAR. I I know that's probably blasphemous to some of you out there, but I mean if you're just spending hours watching golf, I feel like there's better things I need to be doing. It's also a perfect background work from home oh, for thing. Sure. And I'm kinda of bummed that I got a lot of travel work stuff to do tomorrow because First day of Masters, be beautiful just to have it on in the background. Uh, Brandon, who is your uh, betting favorite for the Masters? Mm, uh, I I may have placed too many outright <laughs> winner bets, but uh, I'm going to be a square and uh, go with Scotty Scheffler because I think he's just the best golfer in the world right now. Uh, he shows up. But his Masters odds are not too. great. But uh, and it's not likely that someone would defend their Masters title. It's only happened a handful of times. But if someone's going to do it, I think it could be him. Uh, but there's quite a few guys I like. 
I always like Morikawa. Uh, trying to think who else I went hard on, but um, I'm excited about the Masters. I actually looked at tickets. Do you want to guess how much on the secondary market uh, it would cost if you wanted to go for all four days? I actually didn't think you were allowed to. I thought you had to have uh, like a pro invite. So the Masters tickets, what they do is uh, they do it like a lottery. So if you want to buy tickets, you just enter your name and you have about a half of a percentage chance to, to win. And then if you do, then you have the opportunity to purchase, which purchase the, the tickets at that point is not bad. It's like 100 bucks. Wow. But Why don't we enter who, that every they year? They resale. Then they resell them. So obviously we have been missing a huge opportunity by not at least trying to buy these tickets, even if we weren't intending to go, because you can resell them for, guess how much the four-day pass is going for on StubHub? 4000 between four and six thousand dollars is what wow, I good saw. Good guess. <laughs> Dang. Uh, wow. Just insan- insanity. But I would like to go uh, someday. But the odds are not good. Uh, but yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful event. And Cody, I think that's a little bit messed up that you wouldn't even want to watch that much. I mean, I will watch a little bit. But I mean, you're the best golfer in our family too. Well, no, Dad holds that title. Well, yes, um, Dad, but of sibling wise, I I will watch some of it. But you sent out that bracket challenge, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> I have not done my research on that. So that you will be in store. To. That'll be in store for me tonight. I wanted to have some idea of how they're doing going into this whole thing, but no, no. Just... See, I filled that out in <laughs> less than fifteen seconds. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> that's how you do it. You just go with your gut. Taylor, see, I can't do that because Taylor too. and mom filled it out. Yeah, and so this is the type of thing. And Brienne, <laughs> there is no shot that one of us who actually watches sports wins this. Oh, no. It's 100% going to be one of the women in our lives that couldn't care less about sports because that's the way it works. So maybe, maybe I just need to care less and care less. kind of, you know, subscribe to their mentality of. You know, I'll pick the golfer that wears the nicest color shirts or something like that. <laughs> um, but I just feel like I got to try even harder because that is that is a a pity feeling you feel in the pits when uh, when you just get absolutely toasted in bracket challenges like that. I uh, I had Brienne read me her her picks, and I was getting so frustrated because she's naming like just great picks, and I'm I'm saying how did you find like what made you pick these names so i just like the way their name sounded and i'm just so mad because i'm like she's gonna beat me with these guys that she's never heard of but she liked the way that their name sounded and uh, taylor sent me her list hers is solid so there's no way that one of the girls is not winning this tournament i'm just putting that out there uh but it's still fun uh, we did just get a final score update the pistons just dropped a late night game to the brooklyn nets so, for all, anyone still f- following the Pistons, <laughs> well, they ha- they've locked thought... in the top uh, odds in the lottery. So at this point, we got we can actually start trying to win. <laughs> it's not going to hurt. They've I thought already... I thought you were going to give us a score update. I was like, yeah, of course they lost. It was like 128 to 100. <laughs> When's the last time they've won? Oh. 123 to 108. So solid. Uh, yesterday, Jaden Ivey had a 30.8 assist game. So. 
We've got two star guards. <laughs> Everything's great. And we're about to get a third in Scoot Henderson when we lose out on the... Stop! Th- no! <laughs> None of that. Hey, in any other year, Scoot would be a great draft pick. He doesn't necessarily... That's the hard part. This isn't a Pistons pod, but that'll be interesting when we get to that point and find out where we're drafting. We still are going to have so much cap space next year to make a move. I don't know who that's going to be, but if you could bring in Wemby, you got three amazing pieces right there. All you need is a fourth that you can get. So you can splash some big money on, and uh, who knows what happens after that. LeBron James. I'm putting everything in next LeBron year. LeBron James. I would hate that so much. <laughs> no shot. All right. Uh, the other sport that's going on that uh, is less exciting because we're in Michigan is Major League Baseball has started, and the Tigers are already about six games into the season, and uh, I think our mailbag is about mm-hmm. baseball, so we'll talk a little bit about that and kind of use that as a little bit of our preview for the Tiger season. Probably won't spend a lot of time on that because, uh, boy, the Tigers are just a bummer right now. Um, but, Code, you want to read that mailbag? Yeah, pretty straightforward one from Jaron today. It reads, pitch clock, yay or nay? What are you guys' overall thoughts so far on the pitch clock? Certainly something that's been a point of controversy, to say the least, to start off this new season. This was something that I couldn't wait for the podcast to answer, because I have just been thinking about it a lot. Uh, so on the Discord, if you're on our Discord, you already saw my answer to this. But the pitch clock is getting a lot of negative publicity. Uh, A lot of people are complaining about it. And I don't totally agree with the complaints. Um, I think the complaints are when, like in late game, we saw some when teams were, players were learning the pitch clock and getting used to it. There was some weird penalizations. Even a spring game got ended on a pitch clock walk or something like that. So that part, I... That's going to be horrible if people can't figure it out and there's issues and games are ending like that. However, in watching the games, it goes by quickly. It keeps the play snapping. I watched a video the other day that showed it a, uh, a video from last year of a pitcher. There was guys on base. In the course of this whole video, last year's pitcher threw one pitch. In the co- and it was split screen. So the other side was a video from spring ball this year. And it went through a whole half inning in the span of <laughs> one pitch from last year. And I think that's very telling that, like, in the old way, you could literally sit there and have one pitch happen in the span of five minutes. It, just because he's stepping off, the batter's calling time, the pitcher's stepping off, he's throwing to uh, the base runner. And they're not even throwing to the base runners really to keep him honest or keep him there. It's just a delay tactic. It's a mental thing. That is part of baseball that a lot of people liked. There was this mentality to baseball that it it wasn't a timed thing. You could play this like chess mentality with baseball. And I, I do like that too. But even then, like, and you had mentioned when a pitcher throws back to first base, like the crowd boos. Yes. Like they, they intuitively know that's not entertaining. They want to see things keep moving along. And even if it was not just not entertaining, like if there was a good point to it, I get keeping a, a base runner honest, but that's not what they're doing half the time. Half the time it's just a delay tactic. There might be a guy in the bullpen warming up and he needs to get more uh, pitches in before he can come in. 
uh, or he's just tra- trying to play mental games with the batter. What is so wrong with keeping the batter and the pitcher playing the game? This All this does is keep the teams playing the game and more playtime that we're watching rather than standing around. In other sports, we complain constantly about when there's less playtime. And you look at, like, we'll look at NFL and be like, holy crap, the game is 60 minutes long and there's only, like, 12 and a half minutes, 12 minutes of playing. actual playtime. And it's something that we, like, joke about as a negative. And then this is actually trying to get the playtime to be more and the lack of playtime being less. And it seems like that's a positive thing. I think the biggest complaint people have uh, is that it could ruin the endings of games. And I do think maybe, like, in ninth inning or whatnot, we could get away with some of the, go away from some of the penalties. Ending a game on this uh, would be, I think, atrocious. That would look pretty bad, and it just feels like you're taking away. However, if we get used to the rules... There's no reason it should take you longer than the play clock to pitch the ball or to be in the the box. There was all these baseball tactics that old heads were getting at. Um, in the Discord, someone else also voiced that when they go to a game, they really like the amount of time that they're there, that the play clock is going to shorten that, and they feel like it won't even be worth their time going. Whereas baseball is already the longest sport Shortening it a little bit, uh, I don't think it's going to take away from the ballpark experience that much. And there's opportunity for the game to be longer, too. If the offense is getting runs, there's going to be more pitches. There's going to be more play happening. And gameplay could be a little bit longer um, because there's more opportunity for actual play to happen. And you got to think that this is going to benefit offenses as opposed to pitchers. Yes, and um, already in the first opening day, I forget the stat, but there was an, a huge amount more stolen bases this year mm-hmm. because of the new rules than last year's opening day. Love stolen bases. That's going to equal more offense as well. More offense, more base hits, uh, more batters faced. And so the experience of the ballpark, I think, is not going to suffer from this. I think you're still going to have a good time. You're still going to have time to go get your hot dog, your drink, whatever. And that's a shift that we've been trying to work towards, I believe, like with getting rid of the shift and trying to make it a more engaging game for people. You want to see more offense. You know, pitching battles are not that amazing to watch unless you actually have a no-hitter perfect game brewing, um, which is not going to happen most of the time. Still could happen. Uh, It's not saying that it couldn't happen. But, yeah, I would agree with you there. Um, But I do think something that you had said in the past, too, that – maybe the rules aren't perfect yet and that there might be something that needs to change for the latter innings. Cause I do think letting those extend a little bit is kind of fun. I like the suspense of the ninth inning and letting all of that pressure build. I think that's a lot of fun and I wouldn't really love to see a pitch clock in that scenario. I'm not saying or get rid of it entirely, but maybe extend it a tiny bit or extend it or even get rid of it in the playoffs cuz playoff no one's complaining about the length of a baseball game in the playoff time true the pressure in a playoff baseball game is top tier sports that's a lot of fun and so if there's a little bit of extra time going into that i don't think people are complaining about that but the regular season 162 games that's a lot of baseball uh and shortening the non-play time i think is beneficial the shift also getting rid of that People are pushing it as far as they can because you're allowed to line up directly behind second base. (laughs) 
And I've seen some rips up the middle, and they're fielded still. Like, Torkelson hit a rip up the middle the other day past the pitcher. Looks like a base hit to any normal baseball, but there was a guy just right behind second base, and Torque was like, I thought we couldn't shift anymore. That <laughs> He thought he had a base hit. So, uh, not perfect, but it's a big help getting rid of the shift, too. I did not like the shift. Hopefully we'll make all these changes, make baseball a bit more watchable for the casual fan. Um, and just increase baseball viewership in general. I can't think of the amount of times I've heard people say that, yeah, I love postseason baseball, but you won't find me watching it during the regular season. And part of that has to do with just there's so many games. It's not going to have that same feeling for certain as like college base, uh, basketball or football where every game has that much more uh, meaning to it. But at the same time, you make it a bit more offensive. You speed it up a little bit. I think that's going to be very beneficial in the long run. You're just going to see a lot of pushback at the start because a lot of people don't like change. You know, it's it's aversive. You want to do the way you want to do things the way they've been done. So, but I agree with you. I think ultimately it's going to be really positive for the growth of the sport and the uh, the sustainability of the sport in the end. Change isn't always good, but change often can be good, even when faced with people not wanting to change. I just watched Moneyball just today. Uh, TikTok got the best of me again, where you see these little mini clips of a movie, and you're like, ah, crap, I'm going to watch Moneyball now. <laughs> it's uh, a good movie. So I rewatched Moneyball. And that, again, that's something where baseball went through a huge change. A team implemented what Billy Bean did, and two years later, the Red Sox won the world championship. So change is sometimes okay. We'll wait and see with this one, but so far I'm okay with it personally. I think response to change is going to be a bit more pronounced with a sport that's called America's Pastime. Rich history there, and so people are going to want things to stay as close to the old days as normal. But you look at the viewership ratings for baseball compared to really any of the other major sports in the U.S., it's not America's Pastime anymore. It really isn't. <laughs> think of the two best players in Major League Baseball right now. Shohei mm-hmm. Otani and, and, and Mike Trout. They're on the same team, and that team sucks. <laughs> like, opening day, Shohei Otani had 10 strikeouts and didn't get the win. Like, he hardly gave up an earned run in that game, but his team just can't string things together. Uh, that's one thing, baseball. I know you don't want to help a team get better, but woof. The Angels, figure it out. Uh, Brian, you got anything to add to that? Or want to talk Tigers real quick? Uh, we could talk Tigers real quick. Uh, I don't have a lot to say, but it's been good to see Torque kind of get things going. And as always, Riley Green looks solid. So I, the one thing I will say is Comerica Park, I was under the impression that defenses were being brought in on all sides and it looks like they've only been brought in at center field by like 10 feet and then right and left were basically brought down like a foot and a half to two feet or something like that uh i thought that they were coming in about five feet on at least the article that i read when it first was announced so as always chris illich is over promising and under delivering just Uh, like little caesar's arena yeah pretty pretty (laughs) disappointed uh about that, uh, I mean it's progress, but and Little Caesar Arena not, not to, is a beautiful arena. What I'm talking about is the artist renderings where it showed like the Red Wing symbol on the roof of the Little Caesar's Ring yeah. Arena. That does not exist in real life. <laughs> they were gonna build up the area around it, and yeah, no, nope. 
Um, so Tigers baseball, I believe they are two and four right now. Uh, just dropped one to the Astros today. However, they took the series from the Astros, which is exciting. Uh, after looking like crap against Tampa Bay. So there are some exciting things with this team. Like Brandon just mentioned, Torque looks like he's finding his stroke a little bit. Uh, although that was one game where he had a single, a double, and a home run. Uh, and his home run was a bomb. So that's exciting to see. His uh, exit velocity on his hits, he's leading the Tigers with the most hard-hit balls. Uh, what I've watched probably three of the six games so far and just kind of followed the rest. And Torque hits the ball, even in the games where he's not getting many hits. He's scorching it just to people. <laughs> so, that I mean, uh, hitting it right to a guy or striking out, grounding out, it's still not getting on base. We need to get on base. But it's it's good to see that he is finding a little bit there. As Brian said, Riley Green, another guy to be excited about. However, I saw a poll, not a poll, it might have been Sports Illustrated or somebody who put out like the tiers of Major League Baseball teams this year and who has a chance this year, who's an outside chance, maybe next year and two years away. And the Tigers were one of like four teams that were at least two years away from trying to contend. (laughs) Uh, They're probably more than that. Yeah. And they're probably more than that. (laughs) I was going to say, that sounds a bit generous. (laughs) (laughs) That was the bottom tier, meaning like at the very least – two years from playoff contention um that's pretty accurate uh, that's probably why we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about the tigers however they have some bright spots that are f- worth going to the ballpark to watch uh one baseball in the spring and summer when it's warm out going to a ballpark it's hard to beat that experience that's a good time even if your team's struggling it's also miguel cabrera's final year so if if uh, you want to see off one of the greatest Tigers of all time, that's a good idea to go watch him. Um, he's always exciting. He's still hitting the ball. He I don't think he'll ever stop hitting the ball. He'll probably be one of those old guys who shows up to teams. Like Ken Griffey the other day was hitting BP for the uh, World Championship, uh, the USA team, and he was just crushing the ball. <laughs> so Miguel Cabrera might be one of those guys. Uh, so it's his last season. That's exciting. But a lot of young pieces and some new pieces as well to this team uh, who are able to hit the ball and able to do some of that just stuff that makes winning teams. So worth watching. I believe the over-under on wins this year is 69. If we all want to take a quick hands over or under, uh, that could be our season preview. Who thinks the Tigers are going over 69? <laughs> All right, under 69. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I do think there's an outside chance they go over 69 wins this year just because there are some times when they're clicking. Just because 69 is so freaking low. <laughs> 69 <laughs> is not many wins. Uh, and they do have some good pieces. Uh, if they can string together some pitching and figure out starting pitching, that'd be great. Uh, our, our ace, Rodriguez, he looked really good in his opening day loss. I wouldn't say it was his fault we lost. So if we can string together a few more guys like that, we have some players who can hit the ball. they got to string together the hits. In Tampa Bay, that was the reason they lost that series so badly. They got some hits. Austin Meadows had like two multiple, two or three multiple hit games in that series, and there was just no hits around him. So if they can string together some hits, they'll get some wins. So 69, uh, I'm going to go below as well. 
because it's early in the season and this Tigers team is not quite there yet. But Well, Trav, we appreciate the update, bringing a little bit of balance to the pod. We've certainly been a little lacking in our Tigers coverage as of late. So I appreciate you for that. I also appreciate you for being able to find positives and excitement in this Detroit team. (laughs) And if you're able to do that, then I'm certain that there are many positive takeaways that you're able to find in Ann Arbor right now, having just traveled over there for the spring game. Lots of takeaways to be had, both positive and negative. So I'm curious what sort of analysis really stuck out to you guys the most. I don't get cold very often. I was freezing at that game. That was so cold. I was too. Um, I felt like a dummy because I was standing next to Brandon towards the end of the game. and He's got this big fluffy coat and he was just feeling great. And I was next to him just like convulsing just because <laughs> uh, like, I could not stop my muscles from just trying to get warm. And they're like, dude, what the heck are you doing? Get warm. And I was like, I'm trying, but I didn't expect it to be this cold. Yeah, there was two times I was sh- literally shivering as well. So I feel you. Thankfully, yeah. Hannah bought a blanket at the game. <laughs> and I was able to just hide under that whenever I got totally shivering. Cody could have joined us if you were shivering. Just well, get under it, the blanket. I was good for most of the game. And then towards the end, when we moved sections and stood down by the field, that was that was getting pretty brutal. We sat about right like three rows behind the taped off section for friends, family, recruits, and alumni. And by the end of the game, uh, half-heartedly, I whispered to Bran, hey, you want to go down there? Because <laughs> they stopped guarding it. And Bran was like, okay. And I was like, oh, I'm a little cold now. I don't know if I want to go. <laughs> and then Bran just went. And then uh, a few minutes later, I was like, all right, we got to go down and join him. That was pretty cool down there, though. So, yeah, if you're ever considering going to the spring game, you should definitely go for it. Really cool getting to sit that low. It's free, and you get to just be that close to the field. It's a different type of environment. Traffic and parking is so much better than a typical game day in Ann Arbor. You get to go down, and the restaurants are a lot more open than they usually would. Maybe even see some of the players afterwards. So uh, a pretty cool experience all in all. So was there any uh, positions or players that you guys like came away with a, a huge takeaway or were you too cold to <laughs> to really take it in? Oh, I got plenty. Cold was just I setting got, the tone. I got hot takes galore. Well, you Let me start hear your hot takes. You started, Coach. All right. First off, so Jack Tuttle coming in from Indiana as a transfer currently looks like he's slated to be our second string quarterback. Um, especially since he was, um, who was it? Was it orgy who was getting some minutes and then they took him out in favor to give Jack Tuttle an extra two minute drill. Um, which was disappointing to me because orgy was looking pretty good other than just being a fan favorite for his name and for being an athletic freak. Orgy was looking really poised, um, through the best ball of the day, maybe on that 40 yard or deep ball. Uh, yeah. Probably so, the best ball for sure. So, yeah. I mean, Jack Tuttle, he had his moments, too. Uh, for starters, did anybody know that he was that slippery, that speedy? No. I did not realize he had the mobility that he had. Um, he was utilized in the run game quite a bit, and he was looking great. Like, he was keeping the defense guessing until he took a hit or two, and then he really seemed like he was not his same self, was uncomfortable delivering the ball, and they started to key in on his runs. He wasn't really getting anywhere. And then it's like, okay, let's get somebody else in there. 
Q Orgy. And Orgy, we already know, is fast. Orgy looks stronger than ever, but he looks dialed in. He was delivering some beautiful strikes. And looking like he could make a surge up that QB death chart list. I don't know what the current order should be. Maybe I should just say it just to be controversial. But I don't think Jack Tuttle should be number two. I'll say that no. much. The, f- the funny thing is, is that Orgy is slated at number four in the line. But I wouldn't scoff at him making a jump to two. Because I think he's got that much upside. <clears throat> I'm a big Davis Warren fan. And so... He is kind of in that, like, 2A, 2B spot with Jack Tuttle. He had a pretty good game. He had some spots where he struggled as well. Had a pretty glaring interception. Um, But, man, I wouldn't be upset putting Orgy at 2 and then having Warren and Tuttle battle out for that third spot. I am so sad for Davis Warren because... I really like him. He's done nothing but look good. <laughs> I know he threw a pick, uh, but so did Tuttle. And uh, the only guy who didn't throw a pick is your guy, Orgy. Looks and great. Orgy looked really good. But I think the takeaway is depth at quarterback looks great. Mm-hmm. That's pretty positive. What would you guys do if you were the quarterback who gets the third or fourth slot here? Like, I think Depends on who you are. <laughs> If you're Orgy, uh, you got Jaden Davis coming in. That's going to be tough. Orgy, yeah. Orgy, I think, is a starting quarterback. He should be. I don't know where, but, like, dude is a freak athlete. He took a hit on the sideline. Uh, I should. He delivered the hit. He delivered the hit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And if you see pictures of the guy, I took a few pictures of, like, the team walking off the field. Dude's arms, he's just. A mammoth of a man. He reminds me a little bit about Joe Milton in a way, where there's like no question mark about the the physicals. Like he he's a specimen. It's just a question of whether or not he can be consistent. He can deliver the ball where he needs to. And this was a very very small sample size, yep. so we don't know that. But he certainly deserves the chance to try and prove what he's worth somewhere. So if you're orgy, maybe you do. Uh, it's very possible. And this team's early season schedule is a, it's as bad as last year's, pretty much. So we'll see Orgy a few t- times, I think. Mm-hmm. And he'll get his chance to kind of prove himself a little bit. I like the uh, the Milton comp for Orgy, their code. Uh, and I think a lot of Michigan fans are going to hear that and maybe recoil a little oh, bit. Oh, for sure. But at the same time, you have to look at it this way. Joe Milton is about to start for an SEC contender in Tennessee who just walloped Clemson in the Orange Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Milton is probably going to be a high draft pick next year. I don't think it's a, a bad comp to for Orgy, and I don't think it's a negative comp for Orgy. Uh, and I know it seemed like they were not letting him have the same uh, reins as they gave to Davis Warren and um, Jack Tuttle, where he only threw the ball a handful of times. But when he did throw it, he looked really good. And I think, like you said, he opens up the offense with his athleticism, like how J.J.'s able to run the ball. I think they'd be more willing to let Orgy run the ball because he's more likely to injure the defense than they are to injure him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the whole playbook would be open when you have a player with that type of ability. So I kind of liked how you went with the – 
making your own depth chart there because I think it was clear based on what the reps looked like where they had Jack Tuttle literally on the other side of J.J. McCarthy that he seems to have earned QB2 in the spring. But your point about how once he got hit, he was a shell of himself, and it seemed like once Davis Warren got warmed up, then he way outperformed Tuttle, I thought. And statistically, he did. If you look at uh, some, the, some of the writers were able to tally up yards, Davis Warren had like 180 yards, where Jack Tuttle had like 60 yards. And Tuttle completed 50% of his passes, and Warren completed somewhere like 60 to 70% of his passes. On the other hand, Orgy was four for six, so best completion percentage there. Uh, but, you know, six, Says all you need to know. six throws is not, <laughs> not a high sample size. But I, I would personally put my depth chart, obviously with J.J. being one, I would put number two. I think I would st- stick with Davis Warren because I liked how he led the game-winning drive at the end to uh, bring his team back and then also complete the two-point conversion. And uh, I'm totally fine with that. And I, I think three, I would just go straight to Alex Orgy. Jack Tuttle had the moxie at the beginning, and he looked really good for a series, and then he fe- he fell apart. Once he got hit, it was like you can see, oh, that's why he never really got to start his previous five years in college. Uh, so I would drop him way down, especially because he doesn't have a future. This is his last collegiate uh, year. This is his sixth year. There's no more after this, where Alex Orgy – is a sophomore davis warren is a junior both of those guys technically uh if they're not going to transfer like you mentioned could be in the battle for qb1 if jj were to leave early which i think if things go well he should be leaving early so Mm -hmm. uh like you said gotta like the quarterback depth but i was shocked after the game when i got on twitter and everyone was singing jack tuttle's praises and i was like man what game did i just watch (laughs) because i thought the other two guys looked a lot better uh, do you have some on quarterbacks? Yes. Okay. Um, I think, you know, there's maybe not as much drama here to dissect, but it's something we probably should talk about him being QB one. What were your guys impressions of JJ in his one half that he got to play in the spring game? I thought it was funny that JJ was the only quarterback, uh, only offensive real player that was unhittable, <laughs> uh, it was, which is good. But it was like, J.J., you're the starter, obviously. All these other quarterbacks, it's a free game. If you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> That's what happens when you got four of them. They're like, yeah, whatever. This will make our decision a bit easier. Uh, <laughs> let's weed them out a bit. <laughs> it almost felt like he wanted to put them through the fire to kind of really make them earn but it. But it really kind of worked a bit. I mean, you can look really good in spring practice, but it looks a lot different when you get hit. Mm-hmm. That's something that you're not going to be able to know about maybe a Jack Tuttle until you see it in action. <laughs> uh, JJ, I don't think, did anything to make us go crazy about, except for the rollout touchdown. Uh, that was hot. Just, well, I think it was Cody, maybe Cody, maybe right. Somebody said JJ on the run throwing a touchdown is one of the hottest things. That sounds like <laughs> something I would say. Roll Especially out because like it was his opposite foot. Like, I think it was off of his right foot, throwing right-handed, running to the left. It's a very awkward position, Uh, but he puts it it right on the money. It's what he does so well. That and a J.J. jump pass. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) The pick was bad. Going to have to excuse myself. I'm I'm willing to get over it. It was early in the season. It was super windy. and uh, I still can't find out what happened there. 
Because it didn't yeah. look like he got hit, but he what, just... watching the the replay, uh, I set it to record on on my uh, DVR. It it looked like I couldn't tell if he got hit or if the ball got hit, but the ball in the air, it didn't have a spiral. It looked like it was just wonky. So I don't know if it came out weird, uh, but it definitely sailed on him somehow. Uh, so you know you can say that. You can just chalk it up. That's a bad throw. Uh, I liked all the rest. I mean, he was 7 for 10, so 70%. Mm-hmm. Uh, the aforementioned touchdown where he throws it to where only his guy can get it on the run. There was another play where he threw it just over the head of the defender where it kind of like just had the touch on it. It was a nice out route where it went over the defender and dropped right into the hands of the offensive player. That was a, he that was a pro throw. level throw. Mm-hmm. Uh I think that was right over Cody Jones. Uh, <laughs> hey, but Cody Jones <laughs> yeah. forced a fumble. He, he actually did um, play sure pretty did. well. He had a pretty decent game. But that that throw there is one of those where you you say, yeah, that's that's why he's so good because that's yeah. a throw that you really don't often see in college. Uh, a lot of guys can't can't do that. So I was and, honestly I was excited what what I saw from JJ. He looked good. Came out a little rusty, but then once you got the blood flowing, same old JJ. And it's a little bit of a tougher job for him as well. Um, one, because he's wearing that white jersey, so he's you know knight. you know that he's not going to be rolling out of the pocket much. You know, I mean, they tried to run a read option once, and the edge <laughs> knew it was going to the running back because JJ is not allowed to run it. Um, so that's going to handcuff you a little bit. You know, he's going to stay in the pocket. You're allowed to sink back a bit, but still to complete seventy percent, um, hit a few of those out routes to O'Leary was like his favorite target of the day. Um, he's another one that we'll mention for sure, but really looked very solid in my opinion as well. Uh, my next uh, question slash takeaway was the O'Leary versus Walker battle all day. And I'll leave it open-ended to whether you want to talk about O'Leary or uh, Walker first. Walker being in his first real action at cornerback. Uh, a lot to take away from that. So... Jim Harbaugh is, in my opinion, the master of hyperbole because (laughs) he previously had said, yeah, Walker's a starter at cornerback. But then you go back to last year, and if you count up all the defensive players that he said before the season that they were starters, (laughs) they would be trotting out like 16 players (laughs) because he's just saying like anyone who has like a package that they're going to go in and be the first guy to rotate into that spot, like they're a starter. So last year you had like seven defensive line starters, but you really only have four, maybe five out at a time. So, (laughs) you know, you take everything he says with a grain of salt. Last year he said that Peyton O'Leary was basically Cooper Cup. Peyton O'Leary, I don't believe, caught a pass in the regular season last year. He caught one. He caught one, one. okay. (laughs) Against uh, Colorado State. But but he, just like the spring game, he had a fantastic uh, fall camp. He was looking really good, but then he never really made an impact. Uh, he compared, uh, what's his name, A.J. Henning to Debo Samuel. <laughs> A.J. Henning was There's nothing a but a punt returner and kick returner last year. He didn't do anything wide receiver or running back wise. So you have to just basically let it play out. At this point, I don't know whether to think Peyton O'Leary is going to be good or if Amorian Walker is going to be bad. What my eyes told me is that Amorian Walker has just not quite got the feel for the position yet, 
it's just not you know quite natural to him. But I'm not saying he can't get there. I think uh, Klingscale is one of the best defensive backs coaches in the country, so I think he can get him where he needs to be. But uh, he definitely <laughs> he got abused. I think he uh, <laughs> had a rough day that he's going to probably be chomping at the bit to get back out there. But Good. I'm not going to write him off. I'm also not going to say that Peyton O'Leary is going to be like Cooper Cup. But also, I do think – I probably think Peyton O'Leary's an available depth piece. I don't think yeah. he's necessarily a starter, but I think you do feel a little bit better about, like, hey, if someone goes down, he could step up or he can come in, you know, and rotate in at the position. That uh, two-point conversion catch that he had, though, that when was he was just hand-battling uh, Morian Walker, that was an impressive catch. I mean, they were both grabbing each other. It could have been offensive pass interference. It could have been defensive. <laughs> uh, I need to see a replay, but at the baseline of it, it was an impressive, strong catch from O'Leary, and I was really impressed with that one. He definitely seems like he has strength, and so there could be certainly some value there. My assessment of that matchup is kind of purely based on vibes. Not vibes. It's not the same as Vibalytics. It's just kind of from the eye test. Watching Peyton O'Leary, did you guys really get the impression that he was just speed incarnate? Not at all. Because no. I did not in the slightest. I thought he certainly looked like a possession receiver. It's not like Amorian Walker was having to guard Roman Wilson. When you watch Peyton O'Leary, you know, his routes were fine. He did what he needed to do, but it didn't look like he was doing anything that should have put somebody in an absolute blender. But yet, it seemed like he always had five yards of cushion from Amorian Walker. And so I, I thought it was a little bit more discouraging because I didn't necessarily see a performance from O'Leary that made me think he's just going to be an absolute standout. Like Brandon said, I could see him being a depth piece. But I thought it was more an indictment on Walker's ability to acclimate to the position. Defensive back being one of the most difficult positions to play, I don't fault him for it. It's going to be very challenging getting used to a position like that in your very first year. But I do think that this is going to be a challenging year for Amorian Walker. Um, I want to say, Bran, that, you know, we've got Debo Samuel and we've got Cooper Cup. <laughs> we just have so much talent on this team that it's difficult for these guys to see enough playing time. Um, but ultimately, I think he just hasn't gotten used to the position. I think it's going to take him a year, maybe more. And so I, I don't see him being that number two cornerback this year. I think that's probably going to go to Jaden McBurrows. And he'll be slowly brought in to get used to that position. I think he'll see a good amount of time in some of these non-conference games to help him get used to it. But, man, <laughs> it, was a, it was a little bit disappointing with how much hype was going into um, him transitioning into defensive back. I will say, though, um, it might have been you that said it first, Bran, that even if he doesn't necessarily have – the the skill set just yet he has the mentality of a defensive back <laughs> he, <laughs> he claims to be the best athlete in the nation he is just crossing arms no completion anytime he has literally zero impact on the play whatsoever my favorite no, he had impact they threw flags all over the field for defensive that's basketball. my favorite picture ever <laughs> Um, I say with, over I say with a slight bit of sarcasm, <laughs> standing over O'Leary, who just torched him for like 96 yards or something like that. I don't remember how many it was. Um, absolutely torched him. 126. 126, <laughs> not 96. I was thinking of uh, Benjamin Hall, who had yeah. 96 yards and a touchdown. Uh, another standout from this spring game for sure. 
But uh, O'Leary, 126 yards. <laughs> and Omorian Walker draws two flags on the pass interference call and knocks O'Leary to the ground and just stands over him. Such a cold picture. Goes so hard. <laughs> um, so he, he's definitely got the mentality. I think he'll fit in with that position just fine. It's just going to take some time to get used to. Uh, you you mentioned the quarterback t- or cornerback two possibly going to Jaden McBurrows. That's that's kind of one of my big takeaways is I think there's absolutely going to be a battle. Uh, I think it's probably between those two guys for cornerback number two. Um, at the same time, last year they had three pretty much starters at corner with uh, Jamon Green, with Will Johnson, and uh, help me out, the guy who's super fast. Uh, mm. it, that's not a – I can't think, think of who you're talking high. about. Yeah. Uh, DJ Turner. Uh, yeah, DJ yes. Turner, my bad. Those three guys were basically all starters, plus Mike Sainer still. Uh, so even if there's, like, one guy who's quarter cornerback number two, they're probably all going to get that playing time. Uh, and I kind of had that same feeling, like, oh, uh, Jay McBurrows isn't getting toasted the same way that Amorian Walker is. But then <laughs> there was a play where a lot of the starters played, like, one or two series and then got out. And there was a play where Jaden McBurrows drew a matchup with uh, Colston Loveland. And Colston Loveland split out wide, and he put him in a spin cycle. He had him not sure which way was was up. And uh, he, <laughs> that was the only reception, only target that Colston Loveland received. And McBurrows looked really good. looked just out of place. And so it's, it's hard, you know, to know how the matchups work. Uh, but I think those two guys will battle for it. The other question that I had is, uh, at wide receiver, I was a little down. It looked like they were trying to force the ball to Darius Clemens, and he made pretty much zero impact on the game. Uh, so I, I'm, I don't know if you guys are, had that same takeaway, but I might think Darius Clemens might not be as involved in the passing attack as once thought maybe this year. Yep, I, that left some room for concern. Uh, but the guy you just mentioned, Colson Loveland, uh, I think our tight end room could be awesome this year. Loveland ended the season so awesome with the touchdown right in front of us uh, in the Big Ten Championship game. And he just, I think he's one of our best tight ends we've had in a few years. So I think our wide receivers leave a lot to be desired. But with how much we run, our tight ends are going to be on the field. And we've got big, strong, catching tight ends this year as well. I'm excited about them. And let's be real. uh, Roman Wilson is who needs to get all the fanfare, and he's probably going to get three receptions in a game. (laughs) Or three targets. We don't need that, that, Cody. We don't need that. (laughs) So we don't need to be talking about, you know, know, fourth, fifth on the depth chart. Um, Well, there are some people (laughs) thought maybe he could be a starter. So... That, that's some of the chatter I had heard where it seemed like they wanted him to be in, but every time they'd throw it up to him, it wasn't him coming down with the ball. Uh, and Travis mentioned tight ends. I On the rewatch, they that touchdown was thrown to A.J. Barner, the transfer from Indiana. I didn't realize watching it live, they ran basically a triple pick play yeah. to get him open, which tells Great me – Great play. <laughs> you do not – put out great plays in the spring game. So they were intentionally trying to get him a touchdown. So I think that says that they're going to use him a lot in the red zone and they're going to use him a lot this year 
So the two tight ends, Loveland and Barner, I think are going to be electric. So as a, a good call out there, Trav, uh, even if the wide receivers aren't killing it, I think the tight ends might. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I just, I need to know if that's going to be clean. If you run that in the regular season, it actually looked like it. It didn't look it like looks, they were, yeah, they yeah, looked look like they ran it perfectly. <laughs> yeah. But if you just look at it, if you watch it in motion, you got to think like, that's just going to trigger a reaction from the refs. <laughs> like, you know, they're just running a brick wall through the entire defense to sweep the tight end in the opposite direction. Like, and it looked good. Harbaugh <laughs> is having a heart attack saying, what are you doing running that play in the spring game? And, uh, assistant coach saying, I wanted steak. <laughs> I think they ran it just to rub it into Illinois a little bit. <laughs> Bielema's just turning red and cussing in his lazy boy. Oh, man. Um, what else, one, what else? One, na- one name that I mentioned that I wanted to talk about that has a kind of an interesting impact on another positional depth chart is Benjamin Hall, uh, freshman in the running back position. He's the one with 96 yards and a touchdown. Benjamin Hall looks like a truck. Um, Got to give Trav credit for Benjamin Hall. Absolutely. He picked him out. Like he saw, I think one video (laughs) of the practice of these spring enrollees that joined for the, the bowl prep. And I'm pretty sure it was literally like, you hand the ball off to him and you run through some cones and Trav yeah. looks at this guy, looks at his thighs and says, <laughs> I like that guy. And what do you know? He looked amazing. All I saw is just, he was a, not even like a freshman yet, freshman practicing with the team before the playoff game. I'm like, I've never seen a freshman look like this at Michigan as a running back. The lower body strength this dude had, he just looked like he's got like, Saquon legs going on and he's a, a true freshman so that was exciting but yeah could talk more about him because yeah well he was I think the maybe the highlight of the spring game I couldn't believe that he was truly a freshman like you said it's incredible to see somebody that physically developed but the interesting thing about him is that he seems mentally developed too. Watching yeah. him run the ball, he was patient. He was analyzing his his uh, his Vision. running lanes yeah. before he, he would smash through them like the Hulk. He was watching which way his blocker was going to pin the safety. Like it was Blake Corum esque, in my opinion. I don't think he's got like the um, the, the, the elusiveness of yeah. Blake Corum just yet. That's not to say that's not something that he couldn't pick up. He's a freshman. He has certainly more athleticism, I think, than Blake Corum did when he was a freshman. So who knows where he's going to be at by the time he's a junior or a senior. But, man, that's the type of kid where you think sky's got to be the limit for him. And how on earth was he only a former three-star? Because somebody with that type of <laughs> yeah. lower body strength – should not be flying under the radar. I need to look up more on his high school career and like how he was just a three star because, like, what his stats looked like, where he went. Because I don't know a whole lot about. He, uh, he actually wasn't starting in at his high school, uh, and he, there was I think at and one he took that he personally. Been a, a third string on his varsity team, and something that Mike Hart saw in him apparently, because there's a lot of recruiting insiders saying, why is Michigan taking this? this commitment he should be going to a Mac school and he really seems to shut up the doubters in one spring game because yeah the way he ran behind his pads with with great vision uh had great 
just burst. I didn't know that he because he's two thirty five. I mean, the dude is is just huge. But uh, love the way he ran. What he, high school did he go to to have <laughs> two? One guy ahead of him, but two guys ahead of him. Like was it, was, it like IMG? Know, some, some Texas high school. But <laughs> okay. Uh, do you guys do you guys just immediately vault him to running back three? Uh, CJ Stokes didn't show up. Um, we were confused. Cole Cabana did not play. The commentator said Cabana ran it, but it was actually Danny Hughes who had the same number. Uh, yeah, so, super confusing to have two white running backs at number 24. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so are you guys Fair. penciling him at, at running back three? Because I think I'm ready to. I am. Um, so I say Khalil Mullings, go back to linebacker. We don't, we don't need your services anymore. Benjamin right. Hall looks stronger. He and looks, he looks like he's a running back. He knows how to play the position. Mullings, like, maybe it was just a yesterday thing, because I didn't notice this in the past, but it seems like Mullings runs kind of straight up and down, mm-hmm. a little tall. Or for a guy, you're trying to get those short yardage plays, third and short, fourth and short. I think I want the shorter 230-pound bowling ball guy yeah. getting that. Uh, so he... Mullings is like he's hard to bring down on your own, but he's not hitting you with that much force either. Um, so if he's going into the back of the O line trying to find a gap through, oftentimes he doesn't really find it, or he will just get that one yard that's needed. So we thank you for your service. You've been very useful for fourth and short situations, but I'm with you. I uh, I put Benjamin Hall in that situation. He's your third down bruiser. I uh... well not third down bruiser because um, you still have Blake Corum. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> so can you imagine what we're going to be like this year? Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, and this freak Benjamin Hall, who, who knows what he's going to do? I was just thinking, like, we were just talking about the depth potentially at quarterback, like the battles we're going to see for the second, third string at quarterback. Running back's going to be the exact same. Like, we've got our one and two. They're set. Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards. Number three could be potentially a pretty good running back. For C.J. Stroud played a lot of... Or C.J. Stroud. <laughs> Stokes. Stokes. Stokes uh, Pretty much the same player, Put yeah. a lot of minutes in at the end of the game. Yeah, same player. <laughs> uh, there, there's a lot of interesting depth, uh, potentially, at running back. So, blessed in the backfield. That is for sure. Heck, we got Mullings. Uh, let's just run a fullback set with him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my last takeaway is that the defensive line, and this might be a product of your mix and match offensive line, uh, but the defensive line looked awesome. Mm-hmm. I was really, really impressed by Josiah Stewart, the transfer from Coastal Carolina. Yeah, I was really exciting. impressed by he was the constantly tackles. in the backfield. And uh, what's his name? Moore. Can't remember his first name. He's a sophomore now. Uh, he is defensive end, and he was constantly in the backfield. I I honestly think that the defensive line will be better this year than last year, and we're we're going to be replacing the Big Ten defensive lineman of the year. So I was really really encouraged because that was maybe one of our question marks. As long as you know you avoid injuries, I'm really encouraged. Especially man, Josiah Stewart, he looks like a weapon. I was mm-hmm. really discouraged when Yabioki transferred. Yeah, but he looks like he could fill that void and, and some. So very encouraged with the defensive line. I think that teams this year are going to honestly just hate playing against them. 
I I couldn't tell what it what meant when Kenneth Grant got drafted number one for the spring game. I thought maybe it was a ploy, kind of a Michigan-y thing to do to cause some talk and chatter about a defensive line that people weren't sure about. But then he came and bull rushed right through that offensive yeah. line. Uh, he looks like a big boy and a strong one. So I think he earned that number one pick. <laughs> I think that was just legit. Absolutely. So there's a lot of interesting position battles to be watching out for. One more. Go ahead. Linebacker. Linebacker is going to be really interesting. Yeah, for sure. We get, there's pretty good depth. Oh. Houseman <laughs> was everywhere. Uh, and he's fighting. From Nebraska. He's, he's fighting for a starting job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The starters from uh, last year didn't play. Uh, Travis' favorite player. Um, man, i got to keep a roster in front of me. Um, what's his name, Trav? I can see his <laughs> face. Colson, Junior Colson. Oh, he didn't I, play. I do love how Junior Colson hits. <laughs> um, Mike Barrett didn't play. And you almost didn't notice because Houseman was everywhere. Jimmy Rolder looked really good. Nikai Hill Green, who didn't play last year because of injury, exciting. looked really good. It's exciting to have him back. Linebacker is going to be interesting to see who. I know Junior Colson will be a starter. I mean, he's got all-American potential, but I, I think Ernest Hausman might take Mike Barrett's spot, which is a little sad because Barrett's coming back for his sixth year. He had a draft opportunity, and he came back, and I think Hausman might be an upgrade there. He was electric, so... Very yeah. excited about linebacker. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Uh, a lot of players have some opportunity to really kind of cement their legacy here at Michigan. But legacy can be kind of a fickle thing, and it's something that uh, is uh, prone to change from time to time. And one of those players whose legacy is kind of up in the air at the moment is Hunter Dickinson, deciding to transfer away from Michigan, entering the transfer portal. I'm curious what your guys' thoughts on his overall legacy is since he's decided to end his tenure at Michigan. Where do you guys see his legacy right now? And to discuss that, I thought it would be interesting if we compared his legacy to a, a sports card that you'd open up in a pack. So if you thought maybe, for example, that his legacy was awesome, it might be like an autograph card. Or if you thought it was, you know, trash, it'd be like a... You know, a, a, P, a TSA, what's the scoring system? Like a three. <laughs> it's got crumpled edges. It's like awful. Throw it in the garbage. Um, so I'm curious how you guys would compare Hunter Dickinson's legacy to a sports card, to a basketball card. When you open up the Hunter Dickinson card, what's your reaction? As a Michigan fan, right? Yeah, as a Michigan fan. And then we're answering all, or we're going to answer also, like from where he goes standpoint as well. You could, I mean, you don't have to, but maybe you could answer a little bit to what your reaction is if you open up the Hunter Dickinson card in the transfer portal pack. You open up the transfer portal, you get a Hunter Dickinson card. What's your reaction there? It's going to be something probably completely different uh, right. from your reaction as a Michigan fan. So if you have thoughts on that, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how much this card is worth, and it's not exactly what you were asking for, but Pokemon Fossil, one of the first types of Pokemon cards to come out, uh, still very, very collectible, worth a lot of money. Uh, there's a holographic card in Pokemon Fossil that's probably worth a lot of money right now, um, but if you pulled it, if you opened, if you 
were like gutsy enough to actually open the case because just the unopened packs are worth a crap ton of money right now. You open it, you're hoping for something pretty dope, and you pull a holographic muck. That it would be worth quite a bit of money. That's where I'm kind of feeling right now because that is still legendary. It's not a legendary Pokemon, but it's a legendary card to pull in the history of Pokemon. Pokemon fossil cards. I remember pulling them, and now they're like they were like the second type of Pokemon cards to come out, worth crap ton of money now. Hunter Dickinson did a ton of good for this Michigan program. He, uh, I think people back then weren't expecting fossil to be like this dope thing, and it still looked upon now as like kind of a super legit pack of cards to to get. Uh, Hunter Dickinson came in, and people were like, "All right, he's a tall white guy, runs a little rigidly. He's he'll be a good replacement maybe for Teskey." And then turned out to be a fantastic center for almost his entire time at Michigan. Um, we loved his villain aspect, and uh, that's why I kind of went with Muck as well. <laughs> like, <laughs> other teams hated him. He was the Muck. Uh, it, like, look at Michigan State fans. They totally hated Hunter Dickinson, and that made me like Hunter Dickinson more. Um However, now that like he's entered the transfer portal and how last year went and some of the things that players have said as he's left, it kind of makes you wonder, like, maybe him leaving was a little bit for the, the betterment of this team moving forward, which is hard to say because he was the best player on the team. Um, but that's kind of where I'm at, and that's why I didn't give him a first edition Pokemon card. Because if you look at his stats and his track record in post-March Madness, you should say he is a legendary Pokemon. He's one of the best to ever play at Michigan. But this leaves a bad taste in the ending of his legacy. Still a legacy. Still good, but it's just, it's sour right now. I love so many things about that comparison. Um, for starters, that you compared him to Muck. Because <laughs> a lot of rival fans probably see him as only being scum. But... A valuable card, nonetheless. I also love that you decided I'm look to go. Up how much it's worth? Yeah, I'd love to see that. I I also love that you decided to go the Pokemon route. Um, <laughs> me being a Pokemon fan, also when I when I decided when we like kind of formulated this comparison, I thought, oh, Travis being like the sports card aficionado, he's gonna pull <laughs> out some like super abstract sports prism card that like I've never heard of. And then you went Pokemon, <laughs> and I just <laughs> I get joy out of that. I think it's funny, but I also think that uh, I'm getting the similar feeling to when we say we should never let Brandon go first. This is like your domain, and we shouldn't let you go first here. But uh, a great great comparison. Do you uh, have a price? Okay, so this uh, this muck was sold for four hundred and twenty dollars. Nice. Wow. Uh, but I've seen some others selling for not quite as much. So if you've got a Gem Mint 10 Muck first edition, you're going to get at least 350 for it. Not bad. Not bad for a Muck. Actually, compared to what the majority of Pokemon cards are worth, really good. <laughs> really <laughs> yep. good. Maybe not stellar. Um, so the direction my mind went, some of the cards that I got, not that I got most... But that I have kind of fond memories of, I suppose, are double jersey cards. 
you guys ever see those are either like double rookie cards or double jersey cards where it's going to be one player on one side and one player on the other side. And on the one hand, I think like, oh, that's so cool. Two players, double the amount of jerseys. On the other hand, you might have one player that's like really good. And then all of a sudden the card is tainted because he's attached to a jersey card of a kind of suckish player. I just pulled a card like that uh, in one of the last boxes I bought. It's Jalen Green jersey, Ooh. which is pretty cool. Yeah. And then I don't even remember the second player. But Killian? It's, it's, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I would love it if it was Killian. <laughs> no. It was, That'd actually be kind of cool. Jalen Green was the definitely the cream of the crop on that card. And then the other side is like, I don't even remember. It was somebody not good. Yeah. So, um... I think those cards are really cool. So when I picture a Hunter Dickinson card, I'm pulling um, this double jersey card. And on one side, it's Hunter Dickinson. But on the other side, it's also Hunter Dickinson. Um, <laughs> oh, this is good. And so, like, one's his home jersey, one's his away jersey. I feel like when you look at the career of Hunter, you have some real positives. But you're, you also are just going to constantly be reminded of the negatives, too. You're going to think, like, oh, we had, like, back-to-back terrible seasons but one of those we made a deep run in march um you think about how he has had like really legendary performances against michigan state but we split against michigan state every year that he wore a michigan uniform Hmm. you think oh man this is the best big man we've had in some time but then you think hunter dickinson can't dunk it if there's somebody within five feet of him Mm-hmm. And you think of the amount of potential that he has as a player, what he could offer this team in the coming year, in his last year at Michigan, and you think, well, he never pushed himself to reach that next level of athleticism, and he also decided to en- enter the transfer portal. So on the one card, you have Hunter Dickinson and the idea of what he was at Michigan and what he could have been, and it's something that's really positive. But then it's also a little bit tarnished by what we got and kind of his inability to reach that next level and also his inability to ultimately help elevate the program to that next level, which doesn't totally fall on him. But as a leader of the team, there is a a degree of it that does. And that's going to come from taking that personal accountability to push your game to the next level, but also to bring that out of your teammates. And so ultimately, um, you know what they say uh, when things get hard. What is the pasta quote? I butchered it. (laughs) <laughs> some people are like pasta when oh crap when the temperature when, gets uh, hot they get soft they yeah get yeah exactly and so i mean i kind of actually don't blame him this team is a dumpster fire right now i would kind of want to dip too and i think hunter is going to be somebody who is going to be very valuable in a transfer portal deck so some lucky team is going to snatch him up and they are not going to be looking at him as oh this could be a really cool jersey card, but it's Hunter Dickinson. It's like, holy crap, this could be what we need to make a run. So ultimately, you just, you're left wanting a bit more. You're left with a sour taste in your mouth. But there are memories of some really great moments with him as well. <laughs> that, was, that was a good comp. That was very good. Uh, Thank you. I'm going to go back to the Pokemon well. <laughs> 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 uh, Incredible. I'm going to be maybe a little harsher than Trav because I'm not going to say he's a a muck, but uh, I don't know what this deck was called, but I remember when I was a kid is when these Pokemon cards first came out, and they were the thing. I mean, everyone at school had them, 
And if you if you weren't trading and, and buying Pokemon cards, you weren't nobody. And uh, it was a big deal, you know, if your parents would actually get you a pack because, you know, groceries and all the other things that cost money, you got to keep the lights on. <laughs> Isn't it and crazy I, to think back about our Pokemon days and, like, for sure, we have held a first edition Charizard in our hands before. Oh, yeah. I had one. <laughs> that is worth so much money now, if you could have kept it in good condition till now. Right. Uh, and I know for a fact I couldn't have, because my I, first ever Barry Sanders card I got, I carried around with me everywhere. I still have it. And it maybe it would be <laughs> a PSA 1. <laughs> it's like, I had it in my pocket through grade school. It was my favorite possession. So you get all sweaty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I I remember it was a really big deal if you could get your hands on a Pokemon cards, and it was also rare because you know spoiling kids wasn't really a thing for us. And they're also demonic in the Christian schools. <laughs> they they are also a thing of the devil, um, and I'm pretty sure some people were possessed by their Pokemon cards. That's However, true. for us it was just a thing of joy, and. I remember going to the store. I don't know if it was with mom or with grandma, but I was really good. And I got a pack of Pokemon cards. I was very excited. These Pokemon cards were a little different. And uh, when I opened them up, I noticed that I was getting all these cards that you wouldn't regularly get because it was all the best cards. Just Charizard, you know, Venusaur, uh, Blastoise, like every good one, Mewtwo. However, it, it was like... The whole card was art, and there was no, you know, moves or energies, and uh, I thought it was great. And I bring it home, and I don't know if I showed it to Travis or if I showed it to some of my friends, but I was promptly told, those cards are trash. <laughs> They're worthless. They're not the trading card game. Those are, like, just, like, the secondary ones that Being an older brother, no one... It no probably was me being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> you were just so spiteful and jealous. Well, no, just like just being mean about it, not being real Pokemon cards. <laughs> well, yeah, because they weren't it. they weren't yours. <laughs> well, those aren't real. I'm pretty sure what you're talking about is the tops, uh, tops Chrome Pokemon. Uh, I'm not sure, but it wasn't the poke. It wasn't the Pokemon <laughs> yeah. like company or whatever. Whatever. Uh, Anyways, that's what my Hunter Dickinson card would be. Is it's an off-brand, basically. It's not the trading card game Pokemon. It's it's like generic um, store-brand Pokemon. And I, I want to say this, because C- Cody kind of said this, and I, I want to uh, join him in. I don't blame Hunter, because I don't know that he has the assurance that Juwan Howard can put him in a position to win championships and to have the success he wants to have. But at the same time, if Hunter Dickinson was really that good, I think that they could be pretty good surrounding him with accountants and plumbers at the four other spots if he was truly the good player that he can be. Because like as Cody talked about, there are so many flashes of Hunter Dickinson where he's great, and then he just disappears. He goes from being Hunter Dickinson to Dunter Hickinson and <laughs> it's the bad version that we hate as Michigan basketball fans. Like we love Hunter and we're like, Oh, kind of getting old, tired of Hunter because does he even want to play? And I really like, like this Dunter Hickinson. <laughs> Dunter Hickinson is 
that might have maybe, to stick around a bit. <laughs> one of the bigger issues, I think, with Michigan's lo- uh, lack of success this year. I, I This might be a bad example, but I look at, like, Purdue, who won the conference, won the conference tournament. I think Zach Eady, who I have been on – uh, record is saying I think he's just tall. He's not that good. But I, I will admit, Zach Eady works really hard. We have seen year over year the improvement uh, physically. And I truly don't think that the guys surrounding Zach Eady on Purdue are very good at all. Uh, however, they're well coached and they know what they're trying to do. They're able to get the ball to him. And he works hard enough to make that a viable strategy in the Big Ten. Hunter Dickinson is not that same type of player. Hunter Dickinson is way more talented or skilled than Zach Eady. And he's only two inches shorter. But, I mean, he just doesn't have that same competitive drive drive and juice and fire where – any four Joes off the street should be able to, if they're coached well enough, get a really hard game plan uh, where Hunter Dickinson is just going to be an All-American. And Hunter Dickinson is going to – he never was the Big Ten Player of the Year, and he has had – he has been – his name has been up there every year. Like, yeah, this is – he's going to be the best player. Oh, no, that's actually Trace Jackson Davis. Oh, no, that's actually Zach Eady. Uh It's actually, you know, Chris Murray. He has the talent. He just never really put it all together. So I have a lot of great memories of Hunter Dickinson, but Dunter Hickinson is, I, you know, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, good riddance a little bit. Uh, I think that we're going to miss him, his his points and everything, and his rebounds next year. But, man, from a culture standpoint, I don't know that he was a great leader. Uh, like Cody said, I don't blame him. And if I'm Kentucky – or Georgetown, or whoever it is that's going to take him, I, I'm going to say he's probably more like just like a rookie card, where you're very excited about the potential. But you're going to have to wait and see how he fits in. Because if I'm Kentucky, you're trying to replace Oscar Shibway. You're not going to get that kind of rebounding. But Oscar Shibway is not hitting three-pointers. Hunter Dickinson shot 42% from three this year at seven foot two. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's, that's about where I'm at. Uh, I don't know if once you guys talk about what your other card is, uh, I kind of talk about like who do you blame for this whole thing, but uh, uh, we can cover that in a minute, I guess. When you said rookie card, the feelings of wherever he goes, that's how they'll feel. I'm kind of right there with you, um, but, but to expand on it, there's a card in many sports decks now. You can get a redemption card, and a lot of people are excited when they get a redemption card because it means you're going to get something good from it. Um, and I think whoever gets Hunter Dickinson's, it's going to be like getting a redemption card for an RPA, a rookie patch auto, which is awesome because it's a rookie. So the, the potential is super high and it's a patch and an auto. That's like the Holy grail of cards right now. It might be a certain inserts, but RPAs are like this. They stay of staying power for value. Um, however, it's a rookie. You don't know necessarily. You see what they've done and know that the potential's really high, but it could be like a Zach Wilson uh, RPA <laughs> where <laughs> Zach Wilson, I think, is done in the NFL. Uh, I don't think he's going to be Zach Wilson. That's harsh. But 
uh, you don't know exactly. Uh, Hunter Dickinson, I think he's ranked as the number one guy in the transfer portal. Accurately, I think. And accurately. So you're going to be excited about this guy. Um, but you, it's a little bit of wait and see. So if you pull a rookie RPA redemption card, you're going to be stoked about that. And But you got to send in that redemption. they got to mail it to you. And then hopefully it comes in in good condition. Hopefully the mailer was safe. And uh, hopefully it turns out to have a good career with your new team. You guys remember those Pro Bowl Honolulu cards? Honolulu cards? Where it would just be like... Like from Pro Set? Yeah, I think so. Like, like, like they'd just be wearing like... like a, 1990s. A, probably. They were just wearing like a lei and like just like a mm-hmm. Hawaii shirt. And like I don't think they were worth anything. But I always thought they were really cool. Because they were really <laughs> unique. It's like players not actually wearing pads. Just without a care in the world. Just uh, in that island mindset. I have some really funny ones like that of Bo Jackson. Really? He's just shirtless. Just <laughs> looks like a model picture. That sounds awesome. <laughs> See, I would put that in my my deck of cards. Now, if you are building your 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 show page around that one card, people are going to think you're dumb because um, it's not going to have that level of value. But I also don't see him as like a rookie card necessarily because at this point you know what you're going to get from him. It's not so much like look at the ceiling or potential that he has. This is sort of like a victory lap for him, I think. And so he's done his time at Michigan. He's got this one more year. And so he's like, he's the vet coming in. He's the Pro Bowl presence. That is the last piece that you're adding to your collection to make something really unique and special. I think this is about cards, but I think we're going to learn a whole lot about Hunter Dickinson and about the Michigan program based on yes. how Hunter Dickinson does wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm, I, honestly, I'm really excited to watch it. Yeah. Part of me also, like, he's meeting with Kentucky today. Uh, if he goes to Kentucky, I'm pretty sure Michigan plays Kentucky again next year. Oh, man. Can you imagine? That's going to affect his legacy. If he ends to play against Michigan and he's doing the shenanigans of, like, shushing everyone too short. He will destroy Michigan if he, <laughs> has, if he plays against them. Yeah, yeah he will drop 40-20. Well, Not the sp- thing uh, <laughs> that I like about Kentucky for him is it, it is a tough replacement with Oscar Sheboy. At the same time, he wouldn't have to be scoring option number one mm-hmm. because Kentucky is very guard-centric, and there's always five-star guards all around him. So that's what it'd be needs. actually a, a really nice fit for him. Uh, and, of course, Kentucky is always going to have the ability to contend. Uh I thought I was I could say that about Michigan, but I think Trav's right. We're gonna we're gonna see a lot <laughs> about this team because uh if if they are nose diving next year it, it could the whole thing could blow up. I will say it just about Michigan's team next year in general. Like Twitter some people are kinda of popping off saying, I think this team's gonna surprise people. I think this that and uh, somebody's response to that was you literally have nothing to base that on. This team doesn't <laughs> exist yet. There's still right. going to be two or three more guys joining this team. Uh, it sounds like it's we be could, pretty good. <laughs> we could, yeah. We you <laughs> have no clue. This team doesn't exist yet because we're going to bring in so many more guys. Uh, we're on the radar for Caleb Love. That would be crazy. Um, there's some good transfers out there, and Jawan gets some guys. So whatever you say about. Last year, the program, I think we're going to pull in a few more transfers, and we'll have some stuff to talk about, at least with this team. 
It is funny, though, because with all the different talk that we've had about how hot Juwan's seat should be, should he be gone after this season, I think we need him now more than ever. Because the one thing that he can do is he can bring in recruits. He can bring in transfers. And this, we have, the cupboards are empty. They are barren. We need to bring in some dazzling pieces, somebody who can help build a team. And if you were to start over with a new coach, who knows how many years it would be before we were able to get back into a place where we feel like we can contend. So, <laughs> yeah, but roster construction also responsibility of the head coach. So, oh, for sure, <laughs> for sure, this is the time you where can't Juwan, divorce the one from the other. If if Juwan's gonna shine at a moment right now, this is his time to shine, though, because we've said he's a good recruiter, and he ha- like Terrence Shannon. He got quote unquote Terrence Shannon, and it was ripped away from him. Uh, he can get guys, so. We'll see if he can do that. This is if we've talked a lot of crap about Jawan Howard and his coaching, but one area where he can potentially do good is right now. So Jawan, go out there and shine, baby. I want to talk a little bit more crap about Jawan. Okay, good. Uh, really, really quick. <laughs> uh, as far as this whole messy Hunter Dickinson divorce from Michigan basketball, I. I think I just basically split it 50-50 of blame of Juwan and Hunter, uh, where I, I think that Juwan didn't necessarily know how to handle Hunter's personality. Uh, he didn't really, I think, do a very good job at helping him to be the leader he needed to be. And that lands on Hunter's shoulders, too. Like, dude, just grow up and be the leader this team needs. Uh, I don't know how true this is, but... I, I heard that on their spring trip when they went over, uh, or summer trip, wherever when they went over to Europe, that Hunter just brought his girlfriend and didn't actually like hang out with the team while they were there on their trip. Uh, I would like to see a little bit more of a culture building by Juwan. And also, he just has to put guys in a position to succeed where uh, I think Hunter – he said, I had to transfer. I don't know if that means he's being pushed out or that he feels that they cannot they cannot compete. But either way, I think that, that falls on Juwan. Like you got it could you be have both to build it could be both. Uh but you have to build a positive culture and you have to build a viable uh team that can compete in the Big Ten and, and in March Madness. So Juwan, you're I'm I'm not saying that it's only on Hunter because uh you're the head coach. You you got to manage these personalities, manage these players and I don't think you're doing a good job of it. And Hunter, you're also I mean like if you had a little bit more fire and you just decided to be an alpha and be the dude and take accountability for your own attitude and your work ethic like you should be the best player in the Big 10 and you weren't and you're not. One uh thing that talking about Howard and next year that may gives me a red flag for next year is Jace is still on the team. <laughs> <laughs> and it, what is, is he going to be a senior next year or is it a senior year? I think it will be. He's going to, so. he's going to be an upperclassman and it's going to be a great excuse for Juwan to be like, Hey, he's a leader. He's earned it. We're going to see a ton of Jace Howard on the floor. Even if we bring in 
recruits or uh, transfers, that if if we see a ton of Jace Howard on the floor, <laughs> just throw in the towel first right away. Uh, he's only going to be a junior. Oh my gosh! Oh man! Oh, so we might years. have two more years of Jace. Yeah. <laughs> We not might we will have two more years of Jays. <laughs> uh, That's does rough. He, does he have a COVID year? Can we get three? Cody. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. If he's he's had two years, is twenty. Uh, it's gonna be really close for his COVID year. I'm not sure. We might have three more years of, of Jace Howard. <laughs> <sighs> so you have that to look forward to, Michigan fans. Who knows? Best defender on the team. Best defender on the team. Real <laughs> oh. glue guy. Uh, heart and soul of this team, really. So. He really was when he was a bench player and just super hyped on the bench. Mm-hmm. Loved him. Who knows? You know, pressure makes diamonds, so maybe this is where we will see uh, Juwan really begin to blossom and Jace just becomes the best basketball player in the Big Ten. <laughs> yep. I... <laughs> That'd be amazing, Code. I um, I don't believe that. I I think the Howard family is cubic zirconia, fake diamonds, little <laughs> little fairly odd parents knowledge there for you. Um, but we'll see. I'd love to be proven Did wrong. You learn that from fairly odd parents? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What was the context? Um, so there's one episode where Timmy's dad, for some reason, becomes really smart. He probably wishes him to be smart because usually he's super dumb. Mm-hmm. And so he's teaching him about just stuff. And he's looking at his mom's ring, and he's talking about how cubic zirconia is um, a really great just diamond, like fake diamond, (laughs) and super cheap. And then she gets super mad at him. And he goes, but diamonds are even better for rings, like yours totally is. And then she's happy. Um, But yeah, so cubic zirconia, often used as a fake diamond, much cheaper. Did you know that there is a Jimmy Neutron... And Fairly Odd Parents crossover. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah. Quality. Timmy absolutely pulls in uh, the Jimmy Neutron universe. <laughs> yep, he, he does. He's a stud. I might look that up. Fall asleep to some. <laughs> I was gonna watch the spring game again tonight uh, as I fell asleep. I I might watch the crossover episode of Jimmy Neutron and <laughs> Fairly Odd Parents. Um, I was. This is going off the rails quick. But I was on Instagram the other day. Not supposed to be. I'm lenting, but... Um, (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell. I've been really good, actually. But every once in a while, I'll get, like, an Instagram DM, like, just from friends. I'm allowed to check those, and then one thing leads to another. And I'm looking at Fairly Odd Parents reels. (laughs) And and one of them... (laughs) One of them I thought was really interesting because he's like in fairy court, which he finds himself a lot. But apparently, I didn't know this. This might be like towards the end. Apparently, he reveals that he made a wish that everybody in the world would stop aging. And that's the reason that there are just years of him having fairies and always being 10 years old. And they're like, what? how long ago did you make this wish? And he says, 50 years? <laughs> <laughs> this is really in an episode. Yeah, so that's like a like a plot twist at the end that Timmy's been ten for fifty years of living. Wow. So he's actually sixty. <laughs> I don't even know what happens after that, but I need to go through and watch it. Just thought I'd share that. Huh. Fun little tidbit there. I was also singing my shiny teeth in me just last week. Yeah, you were. <laughs> that's a fun poll. Something so, I think about. Timmy has been. Listen. 
Just like he has been like fawning for Trixie Tang for sixty years and never once actually. Yeah, like, he has not been rough. able to pull her. That is tough. In his fifty, well, he did pull her once, and then she went insane. But that was also because there were literally <laughs> no other people on the planet. It was just them two. So, I've watched a lot of Fairly Odd Parents. I'm realizing like there's a lot of knowledge locked away in there that's coming back. But yeah, that is pretty sad. Really appreciate this mini deep dive into Fairly Odd Parents to end this episode. <laughs> well, you know, we needed to make sure that we hit our hour and thirty minute quota for the pod. So um, you're welcome for that. Uh, for all you hour and thirty minute commuters. For anyone who makes it to the end of this episode, <laughs> if you call our number at two three four five MI Cody and just yell Fairy Godparents and let us know who you are, uh, we'll we'll send you a Jonesy for Sports T shirt. So, first person to do it. Okay. The t-shirt's coming your way. Is it, oh, I got money on who that's going to be. Is it this one? Yeah. Oh, okay, I was going to say, I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I know we've seen other merch that I like. I who? want to act... Oh, no, maybe I'm thinking of Tranquilizers. Anyways, we need, to, we need to pump out some more merch. We do. I think there'd be a small market of, like, five people who might be interested. <laughs> I'd be one. I would, okay, more than it. five, because I would, too. Coach, stand up. That is, I think, that's one of my favorite shirts. It's like, uh, it's got a North Face kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's pretty clean. I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, I love that shirt. Yeah. Our mom was wearing it. Uh, Ann Taylor, our sister. Yeah, was always, it always makes me happy. Like, I don't know if it's laundry day or if they're just the biggest supporters, <laughs> but it always makes me happy to see them repping. Yep. And it's really, it's Taylor's pod, too. You know, you get to hear her at the beginning of every intro, so. Yep. Kind of a little fun there. In case you guys didn't know, that's Taylor that says, Welcome to the Jonesing for Sports podcast. Also something, we're just going to keep this going. Um, I realized, a lot of you probably know, but a lot of you may not even know that like jonesing is a real word. Is that something that we ever explained on the pod? I just thought people had vocabularies and could figure it out. I didn't even know it was a word before we did this. Really? No, I never used jonesing. I'm jonesing for something. Oh, I... I... Would just because probably because my last name is Jones and I like the word. Brandon, did you have like any knowledge of the word? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I love the inflection yeah, you <laughs> that you chose to use there. Um, it made me feel very intelligent. I I I never used the word once, but I've talked to people since having this pod that just had no idea, and they thought it was just because it was our name. Obviously, it is our name, but it's an intense people desire for idiots. something. Like me, I guess. So, that's all the time we have for this current pod. <laughs> that's why it fits so well. <laughs> this is an intense desire for Michigan sports. Yeah, absolutely. But I wasn't sure that we ever, like, talked about that on the pod. I, I have to think there are a, at least a couple people who are really grateful now for that explanation. Yeah. Or I'm just the dumbest boy. <laughs> <laughs> that might be it. But... Well... <laughs> yeah, well... In the in the interest of not embarrassing myself any further, we'll go ahead and bid you adieu. Thank you once again for spending your time with us tonight. We love to hear from you guys. It's honestly been a minute since we've had a call. So if we got a call from somebody screaming Fairly Odd Parents, that would make my day. But we'd also love to hear your thoughts on the spring game, what you think about Hunter Dickinson and the future of Michigan's basketball program. If you want to talk about Tigers, Lions, oh my, anything, 
bring it our way. We'd love to hear it. Keep filling up that mailbag. We'd love to hear from you guys in that regard. And we also have not forgotten about the TV bracket challenge. It just turns out that there's a lot of freaking good television out there. So we are still finalizing oh. that bracket. Shout out to our bracket winner, though, March Madness. Oh, yeah. Spencer sure. Barnett, you are this year's winner. It's rightfully so that you won. You did a lot of help with our football bracket, our picks and stuff. You deserve to win here. So congratulations. You were the only one to pick UConn. <laughs> and that alone might have won it for you. Uh, everyone else had like a total of like 400 points in second and third place. Uh, I think you with UConn winning, I think you got like a thousand points. Yeah. Like you literally did really good. So congratulations on that, Spencer. Yeah, absolutely spanked the competition. We'll probably have to come up with some sort of reward for that. Uh, we hadn't discussed it just yet because I would completely spaced about that. I think I've blocked all of my picks for March Madness out of my mind because they were so just awful. I think that's probably what most people are saying with how unpredictable this tournament was. But not for you, Spence, because you had a mm-hmm. handle on this whole thing. You knew what you saw in you UConn. Knew. And, uh, man, you really took it to us. So congrats to you for that. And congrats to all of you for making it this far. If you're still listening to this pod, again, we appreciate you. And uh, we can't see- wait to see you in the next one. So thanks again for joining us. And just remember, Ohio sucks. Have a good one, everybody.